Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London Blue podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode, that's right, of the London is Blue podcast. And you know what? No Brandon here again, but you got myself, Dan. Nick is here as well. Nick, who did we get this time? Because we always have to bring someone in. We got a guest. It's a Champions League night. You have to bring in the big guns. What do we do? We're we're running it back to our Sonoma adventures, and we're bringing D-Peasy. Back on the pod, David Pastor. Wow, uh, we ain't got no history. We are we're back and blessed by his presence. Thank you for coming. Yeah, big guns. Sorry, this yeah. isn't it, but I'm here. Yeah, we uh. we got David. So <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back as always. Well, we, we got plenty of talk to talk about. Uh, no surprise, we bring you back, David. We've got a Champions League draw, but it was intense. It was exciting. And we're going to go through that. We're going to talk about some heroic efforts of a couple of players named uh, Christian and Ngolo. We're going to talk about Mason Mount's 100th appearance for Chelsea. And everything that went on, and maybe even some you know end-of-the-match snubbery that occurred mm. uh, by one Thomas Tuchel. Mm. So you know what? Uh, we're going to get out of the shade. We're going to have some conversations here. But you know what, Nick? We've got some three-word match reviews to get into to set the mood. They're the amuse-bouche of this podcast. That, yeah, yes, they are. Yes, they are. Man, uh, you didn't need to say that before the first one I'm going to read off, which is um, this might be my favorite three word match review of the entire season. This is incredible. McGleezy with wet ass performance. <laughs> I mean, I I was like, I looked in the script. I was like, yeah, I wonder what these three-word match reviews are going to be. Straight out of the gate, wet-ass performance. I love that. Uh, Ernie uh, with satisfactory soggy shootout. Little alliteration. Always like that. Uh, Aerith Muggle Shane with Blues Boss Blancos. That's good. Uh, Yaroslav with Estadio Total Landscaping. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming either. My goodness, that was good. Uh Jan's car vibes with another Tuchel gif. Uh, the man is now becoming a gif machine. There, there's plenty of them out there. Well done. 
Uh, we see American Outlaws, White Castle guy. Interesting. Important away goal. Uh, that is true. The door with Madrid Hitman FC. That's interesting. Uh, and then Craig Ledoux with Jubilation into Stalemate. Uh, also, Sup Baron Timo. Uh, mm. That's <laughs> there, There's something there. Uh, and then, Dan, I'm going to let you finish off with your favorite of, of the of the show because uh, I can't bear to read it. Well, it's a big gnash with this one, but a couple people threw this in. They, they took the wine on us and added a little bit of a, a, a flair to it because it's the Porque No Nosotros. So why not us? You're taking the piss out of me in Spanish now, guys. Come on. <laughs> Pretty sure McGleasy, who's obviously related to DPZ, uh, should be given some Poet Laureate Award for his three-word <laughs> Match review par excellence. It's unbelievable. Uh, it was an unbelievable three word. Probably, match probably should shut it down after this. Like no more <laughs> three word match reviews because this is it. McGleasy, oh. you've you've won it all. They they keep on topping themselves, so I, I don't want to take <laughs> it away know. from the people. We this got, is, we this is gonna be pretty the people tough. To reappoint this themselves is gonna, as champs. This, this is a challenge for everybody out there to top McGleasy because if you can top. Wet yeah. ass performance. <laughs> you're doing something right. That's all I'm saying. Like that. Right, well, we got tremendous. ours. We got ours, which are not going to top that. But we're going to try them out here. Nick, what did you do? I went with Tuchel's real deal, or if read properly, Tuchel's real deal. You know what I'm saying? Thanks. Wow. And we, we we really did not need to go from wet ass performance to that one. But uh, okay, uh, David Pastor, what do you got? I actually did not prepare one, but I like what ass performance. Uh, important away goal, I think, is fantastic, and I I can't really do. In all seriousness, can't really do anything more than that. Well, I went with next nil nil because we don't even need to score another goal to get to the this the final. We you know ninety minutes, ninety minutes of nil nil football, shutting it down, no real opportunities, gets you to a Champions League final. It's fantastic. We should do it. Uh, but hey. We've got a couple quick gratitudes we're going to get into, and then we're going to get into this match review. Uh, I want to thank on Patreon, uh, Nick with an N-I-K, not an N-I-C-K. It's not Nick Verlaney. And then Morgan for signing up. And we also had some great Apple Podcast reviews. We had Curate and then Shorty1907 leaving wonderful five-star Apple Podcast reviews. Please drop them if you can, because uh, it helps other people find the show. And uh, you know what? More Chelsea people are listening to podcasts because we're doing well. They're excited. Help them find us. And then, uh, Nick, I know you got a couple of quick housekeeping things before we get into the match review. Housekeeping, huh? That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I guess we're calling them that now. Wet-ass performance and housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> this this I, Tuesday. I call them keepers. <laughs> the, this Tuesday is just off the rails, man. It's uh, it's crazy. We're going to do a locker room this weekend, uh, probably looking uh, ahead to the, the early match next week. So look for that Saturday or Sunday. Uh, we have the full match review, which we're bringing Joe Tweeds back on for. Uh, and then uh, friend of the show and most requested guest right now, Jenny Chu will be coming back uh, next Wednesday uh, post Real Madrid uh, leg two. So very excited about that. Uh, lots of goodness coming up. We are uh, we're moving, baby. We're moving. All right. Well, that is it. We made it through it. We are in the match review segment now. It was Real Madrid. It was the Champions League. It was this past Tuesday, April 27th, 2021. It was at the Estadio Alfredo Di Stefano. 
and it was a scoreline of Real Madrid 1 to Chelsea 1. And got to shout out, guess next week, Jenny Chu, the choosing one, with the, I'm calling it now, Christian Pulisic scores ahead of the match. Uh, broadcast all over CBS when uh, it did happen. They were very happy to, uh, to kind of shower that moment there. But uh, yeah, it was great, great to see. It's a great day for America. <laughs> great day for America, baby. Yes. Uh, David well, meant anyway. that with his whole chest. He's put his whole chest on that. Come on. Well, uh, no highlights because it's a Champions League match, so uh, the Fist Stand app does not have access to that. So we will go right to the lineup. And Nick, you basically could read exactly what was published for West Ham, and you would have been fine. You would have been fine. Yeah, the entire lineup is is the exact same, um, which is is to say that, you know, we had a big performance against West Ham. Why not run it back, you know? We controlled that game. We, we basically controlled this game. Uh, Mendy between the sticks. Christensen, Silva, and Rudiger make up your back three. Aspi and Chilwell as wingbacks. Uh, I would say that Mount is probably playing a little further back in this game, not as advanced as, as he was against West Ham. So it's a midfield three, they say, of Mount, Jorginho, and N'Golo Kante with Pulisic and Werner playing our strike pair. Uh, subs. Let's talk about them. Uh, Kepa. Marcus Alonso, Tammy, Willie Caballero, Kurt Zuma, Olivier Giroud, Calum Hudson-Odoi, Billy Gilmore, and Emerson Palmieri. Uh, tough break for Emerson not making uh, a sub-appearance in this game uh, as, as unused subs. And then Hakim Ziyech, Reese James, and Kai Havertz uh, made substitute appearances. Okay, well, stats as they stood... We had 11 shots to their nine, five shots on target to their one, 49% possession to the 51% that Real Madrid had, uh, 562 passes to 582 passes, uh, 89% pass accuracy to their 86, nine fouls to their 11, Perez's magic worked, sort of, uh, one yellow card to their five, uh, <laughs> zero red cards to theirs, uh, two offsides apiece, and then uh, we had six corners to their four. And then the XG at halftime, Real Madrid 0. 0.62 to Chelsea at 1.51, uh, and it clipped up a little bit for both in the second half, so the final was 0. 0.76 to Real Madrid to 1.7 for Chelsea at the end of it full-time. David, we got a lineup, we got stats, we got XG, dealer's choice. What's one you want to get to before we jump to the break? Um, let's talk about the lineup because uh, Nick was saying that, uh, you know, same lineup as West Ham. But one I thought was very interesting, uh, one very interesting feature of that was that we lined up quite differently uh, midfield forward than we did against West Ham. And uh, Tuchel himself talked about this afterwards. Um, just kind of showcasing the, the vers uh, versatility of Mason Mount because, you know, against West Ham, he did his usual front three. Uh, this time he dropped in the midfield, so we were more of a 3-5-2, matching Real Madrid's 3-5-2. And Tuchel basically said that uh, they saw Real Madrid's lineup and said, uh-oh, we got to do something different. So they dropped Mount into midfield, and um, it worked It worked quite a treat, especially in that first half before uh, Madrid made their tactical switch at halftime. So it's just, you know, Mason Mount every day, not just Mondays. It's good to see. I mean, he he's a utility player. I mean, it, it it's incredible that like minutes before you step on the field, you can just change your entire game plan and go, "Hey, Mason, remember when you were going to start up front? Uh, we're going to 
actually drop you back and make you harry uh, all of Real Madrid's midfielders. Cool, cool with that. And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll just go do it. Uh, so it's a, it's an astute point by DPZ. Uh, I will say that XG felt a little low given how many breakaway opportunities we had in the first half, but they were not shots on target. So that's that's that. Yeah, if the shot doesn't get on target, the XG value of it is not going to be as high as people might think it is. And, and I think before we started recording, uh, as much as he may or may not be your favorite former Chelsea player, uh, Thibaut Courtois is still a really good goalkeeper. And uh, that is something that needs to be taken into consideration. He's bigger than I remembered him, too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's huge. 6'6". <laughs> six, six, but there, I was listening to um, the Chelsea TV commentary, and they were calling him 9-3. And uh, Pat Nevin was making the joke about how uh, sometimes there's calls to making the goal a little larger. And people will say, you can't, you can't be serious. You can't make the goal larger. But then you see somebody like Courtois and it's like, yeah, maybe we should make the goal a little larger because it's a little unfair. And sadly, yes, he's, he's still a very good goalkeeper. Well, if Pat Nevin says we should do it, I'm going to go down in uh, agreement with, yeah. yes, we should absolutely do that. Maybe that can Score be our, uh, our penance for uh, getting out of the Super Leagues first is uh, against Real Madrid, we can get a bigger goal moving forward. But if we were always shooting at a bigger goal than that. Yes. <laughs> it's UEFA. Oh, man. Somebody, somebody should have suggested that to UEFA. To UEFA is just <laughs> banging up some new posts over there. And they're like, what the hell's going on? It's like a normal goal. They're like, no, we're, we're doing a bigger one for you guys. This is a Super League goal. Sorry. That was the rules. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to break down the entire match as it was. But thanks to these sponsors for supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, so Chelsea went to Spain. While we didn't come away with the dub, we did get on our customs declaration form, get to write in and fill in a line item of an away goal that we brought back. So just in general, how do we feel about Chelsea's performance versus Real Madrid? Nick, was it what you expected? Or are you pleasantly surprised? Like, how are you feeling about it? I didn't have any expectations coming into this game. I, I really didn't. I, I had no idea if we were going to play well. I had no idea if we were going to play poorly. I had no idea how Real Madrid were going to play because I've only seen them play in Champions League. I've, I've not seen them play in the league. Um, so I really had no idea. I mean, they clearly still, you know, despite all of their uh, ineptitude this season in the in La Liga, they're still a very good team with a lot of class players. I mean, this is... These are no chumps. I mean, they, they clearly can still get it done. Uh, so I, I really had no expectations, but I think with the way that we started the game, I, it's some of the best football we've played in, in some time. I mean, I think we even looked better than we did against Palace. We just didn't put away the goals. I mean, it's it was it was really open. It was far more open than I than I thought it was going to be. And unfortunately, for whatever reason. We could not feed Timo when he was in open space on breakaways and not say he would have necessarily done a whole lot with those opportunities anyway. But, I mean, we couldn't even get him the ball to, to get a pass back. We couldn't even get other people into into the offensive movement. And that that was really frustrating for me because I felt like we controlled the first 30 minutes with ease. Like, they looked slow and they looked all over the place. They certainly... Uh, had not played this formation very much, and they did not know their spacing. Uh, they were and their center back trio was all over the place. They couldn't track anybody, and I felt like we could have had a lot more out of that first thirty minutes, David. And and that's probably, you know, after all of this, I probably feel like a little, a little upset that we didn't get more. Right? Yeah, 
It's one of those classic ones where if if somebody told you beforehand, would you take a 1-1 against Real Madrid in the first leg? You'd be like, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that sounds great. And then you watch the first 30 minutes and you're like, ah, that's actually kind of disappointing, that 1-1, because it really should have been up 2-3-0, nothing, nil. And it, it, it's been, it was some of some of the best uh, football we've seen Chelsea play under Tuchel and especially uh, in terms of attacking flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, missing the, the final decisions or the final pass. Um, it reminded me there, uh, the way they play kind of reminded me of the time Everton uh, played against Conte's 3-4-3. And uh, their manager was Ronald Koeman. And he thought the greatest idea would be to match Chelsea's formation, but they obviously had never played it before in their life. <laughs> and uh, that was uh, kind of led to one of the greatest Chelsea games of all time. And this had that feeling to it, but uh, we lacked uh, we lacked the finishing and Courtois made that amazing save on Werner, which we can blame on Timo if we want, but I'd like to give credit to our former goalkeeper. Well, and then I, uh, Benzema. It's fair. it's fair to give the credit to him yeah. because it was a good save. Yeah, he should. He should. There's two. There's always two two players involved. And then Benzema scored his wonder goal, and that kind of changed the the momentum as it as it often does in games like this. You know, if you don't if you don't if you don't take advantage early on, um, uh, Madrid are they may not be as good as they were in the last few years, but these are still the the same players who won however many countless Champions Leagues, um, and Given given the way Atletico are going in the league right now, they might actually win the league anyway because they uh, Atletico are doing a fine job of throwing it all the way. Um, so it's you know it's Benzema might be 33, but he's having basically a career year. People like Modric, Cruz, those guys. I mean you know it's it's highest of the high quality, and and you can't shut them down for the entire game. And you get you get that you get that momentum swing and. You know, after that, it was a bit more attritional. So it's a missed opportunity, first 30 minutes. And then, but uh, we should give credit to Chelsea for not folding. Uh, We've seen that happen many times in the last couple of years where you start well and you get something going against you, possibly against run of play. And then suddenly you can see three within five minutes. That didn't happen. And we actually settled down pretty well, uh, especially in the second half and, and, and played out a pretty controlled game and got the result that we needed. So things to be happy about. I think it's a fair point. Keep it positive. And, you know, the one Joe stat that I really enjoyed here is that one, Real Madrid registered just one shot on target versus Chelsea since 2003-04, only versus Paris Saint-Germain and September 2019 have had, they had fewer Champions League, uh, in a Champions League game. Like that is a really resolute defensive performance throughout the entire team. And yes, we are playing more defensive formation, but we also were getting a chance to move forward as well, Nick. Like, I don't think it was as defensive as we actually have typically seen. Like, we were splitting the ball. We didn't have the majority of possession. Like, this this was actually less of a defensive side we typically run with. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, when N'Golo Conte is one of your most forward players, you know something's going right in attack. Like, you, because he... You know, in previous iterations of this formation, would would sit back and help Jorginho defensively, but the threat really wasn't there. And and I was kind of surprised that Real Madrid's midfield was not more locked in here. But like the first half, I I think Modric had the ball like three four times. I mean, it was 
it was shambles for them. I mean, it was it was really tough. I, he got the ball out on the wing and was immediately closed down by Chilwa. And I was like, oh, shit, there he is. That, I knew he was on the field here somewhere. just couldn't couldn't see him. It was it was a really interesting uh, tactical matchup. I you know say what you want. I mean this this defensive formation right now is just it's rock solid. I mean that that goal from Benzema's world class. He you know I mean he really did an amazing job with with a half chance there. But I mean other than that there wasn't much to sniff at. And you know Rudiger Christensen and Silva in their own way, just kind of controlled the flow of the game and pushed Benzema into different spaces that he didn't want to be in. I do think it's interesting that um, we're kind of not quite sure where Aspilicueta fits in anymore at this point uh, because uh, Christensen seems to be uh, fitting in really well next to Silva on the right. And last two games, we've had Aspilicueta at wingback and it didn't really work against West Ham. And he was involved in uh, in Benzema's goal and getting beat on the far post uh, for the header back, so I'm not really sure. Um, we uh, we might be seeing uh, really the uh, or actually I'm, I'm just not sure why he's being uh, pushed out to wing back instead of uh, Tuchel playing James. That's, that's hard, one of the one of the more mysteries of the last couple of games. He he had a hard. He had a hard job uh, against uh, yeah. Vinicius. Like there is, that's a bad matchup for him anyway. Physically, well, it was but, a bad matchup on on West Ham too because he, yeah. he kept getting beat by Fredericks. And uh, I mean, I know James is only twenty one or twenty two, but like at least he can keep up with him. So it's uh, kind of, you know, we're talking about defensive solidity. I'm just wondering why uh, why we're insisting on playing Aspilicueta at wing back, which is not really his position as we've established many many times yeah it's a it's a tough one you know i think the the other thing you know so when we did get to see james come in you know we did the very uh seldomly unseen triple sub so the tuchel triple and you know we did see james come in and he did offer uh more but we also saw um you know Eden hazard come in and maybe not find really any goodness uh some people were the was Eden hazard actually on the pitch and they were dropping the photos uh I mean, look, he just came back from a really long-term injury. <laughs> only he, probably, he probably shouldn't tempt fate. Yeah, in, I wouldn't. No, that's a bad, like that's a bad uh, move. That's a bad idea. Like, we have to play him one more time. Don't don't upset the football gods. This is not a good time. No. But I, mean, I thought Reese, when he came in, looked. I actually thought all the, the subs together um, you know, in, impacted well in terms of bringing the control back to the game. I mean, maybe we're losing a touch, uh, particularly... James, you know, definitely on the uh, the right hand side offered some, but I even thought, you know, Havertz coming in and just his like horizontal movement to really start to pull the defenders out of position in a way that we were not necessarily doing with, you know, Timo is very straight line um, where he's trying to kind of beat them for speed, where Havertz is willing to kind of drop in a little bit further back, try to pull them right to give an overload opportunity. And so I think you saw some more flexibility with that, Nick, when, when we did make the subs. But I think also it felt like a move where the subs were coming in and were like, oh, we're going to try to win this. But it didn't really unlock uh, any kind of new opportunities because we, we just weren't getting as far in as we needed to. Yeah, I mean, this this was a the, the first time I've seen Havertz play up front, and it really was like a false nine. I mean, like he wasn't 
very far forward. He wasn't trying to get shots in the box. He was trying to soak pressure up and keep the ball and pass it around. And like, that's more of a false nine. Like it's not a pure false nine by any means, but it's more of a false nine than he's been playing. I mean, we just, we got to get him shots. Like I trust his left foot. We got to put him in a position to shoot. And there was just nothing doing there when he came on, which was a little frustrating because I, you know, I felt like that sub was actually a little late. Like Timo kind of looked labored after the first half and yeah, I'm sure wasn't super confident after missing what equated to a sitter, but I mean, it was just, you know, it, it's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing. I, like I would have liked to see Giroux or Tammy today personally, uh, because I, I think they would have offered a little bit more and hold up, especially when the game at the beginning of the second half was kind of turning Real Madrid's way. Uh, you know, there was like that 20 minute patch, David, where it just started to, kind of get away from us a little bit and we lost control and i i, I wish we yeah. would have one of those guys in there it's yeah tuchel seems um i don't know it seems to a common criticism of a lot of managers but it seems a little late on some of his changes uh when if we, if we can see something on on tv surely you can see it from the sidelines as well and when the yeah when the second half became uh, um kind of what we more of what we expected because the first half was just all over the place the second half was more of the control the traditional you know the one there's only one goal in this you would think that that would be a perfect time to put somebody like Giroud on or you know tammy uh, unfortunately he's he seems to uh not carry much favor these days still but uh you know and, and test and test their their center backs because uh militao was doing pretty well but I'm not sure if, if any of the other guys would have really been able to to stand up to Giroud. So that would have been nice. Um, but, you know, I mean, we got, we got to get Kai some minutes as well. So, yeah. Well, let's not get too down because, again, we did get an away goal in the Champions League against Real Madrid. We look like we belong, which in typical True. years, we have not looked like we belong <laughs> advancing no, no, I think, into the I Champions think, League. I think the takeaway really should be that we should have utmost confidence that we can actually win this competition because we look like, you know, we can, we can win this. We can win against Real Madrid and whoever wins tomorrow or wins the tie between Manchester city. We already know we can beat Manchester city and we can beat PSG. So it's, it's, it's not like, you know, the last time we finished our European adventure, we looked utterly, utterly second class against Bayern Munich. And now, you know, we're, this is, this is on par. Without Bayern in the competition, baby. Open door. Let's go. It, it sounds like you've bought into the Why Not Us philosophy, David. Oh, is there a philosophy? I was not oh, it aware. is. There is a philosophy. No. It's the I'm Why Not Us philosophy. I'm still waiting for my membership card, but sure. I'm in. <laughs> we'll send you a shirt. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's praise two of the players that made uh, this result possible today. So there's Christian Pulisic, who scored Chelsea's only goal, and Golo Kante, who continues just playing as if he is actually undergone mitosis on the field and there's two or three of him uh, attacking the opposition. Um, dealer's choice, DPZ, which one do you want to throw some love on first? Is it Christian or is it N'Golo? Wow, that's a tough choice. Um, I, uh, you know, I normally go with Conte because I am a big fan of midfielders who uh, generally get underrated. Um, I think... I think Conte is kind of entering the territory where Makalele kind of finished his career, where the first thing that everybody said about him is like, oh, I can't believe how underrated he is. But I think everybody properly is able to rate some of these players at this point. Maybe I'm wrong. 
But uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Christian Pulisic, uh, who uh, you know made it a great day for America. And I, I, I appreciate that he stayed uh, calm and showed Timo Werner how to finish a nailed-on chance. <laughs> Sorry, Timo. But no, uh, in all seriousness, uh, you know it's it's one of the hallmarks of great players to be able to perform and uh, and give. Uh, a key performance or a game-changing performance in in the biggest stage on the biggest stages and under the, the you know the harshest lights and that's uh, we got that from Christian and it's been not a great season for him but he can finish it like this and that's all we want. Yeah, no no one's gonna remember if he had injury problems if he's right. playing like this in the Champions League semifinal or the final or wins the FA Cup, right? I mean, I, that's the whole game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, people people always like um, somebody like uh, James Rodriguez became a world superstar because of one World Cup, and people tend to you know criticize that uh, you know you're overrating a player based on two three performances, but when you're a professional, this is it. Like, this is the biggest stage. And if you got to perform on this stage, like, yeah, okay, you didn't bring it against Brighton or whatever, but nobody really, really remembers that. Sorry, Brighton. But this is these are the occasions that people remember, and especially over uh, here in America where, you know, it's Pulisic, Pulisic, and, oh, there's also Chelsea FC. But uh, Well, I, I'll say this about Pulisic. Um Whereas I don't think any of us have doubts that N'Golo Conte can do it at this level all the time. You know, I think I think there would be a fair question whether Christian Pulisic could perform okay. yep. on the Champions League semifinal stage. And I think he was by far the best player uh, in the first half. I thought he was incredible. Uh, in fact, I was angry with him that he couldn't make it make an, a, a, an assist out of some of those charges because. He he single-handedly took the ball upfield 40, 50 yards four or five times and completely broke down um, Real Madrid's midfield by himself with some quick turns and some smart passing. Like it, it was it was really impressive and the and the finish obviously was great, but I would say his header should have been assist back for for Werner was just as impressive because a player who wasn't confident in their abilities would have tried tried to take that on and shot it 50 yards over the, the goal. That was a confident, I see you, I know exactly where you're going to be, and I'm going to lay this thing on a plate for you uh, to finish. And it was it was smart, unselfish play uh, from Christian. And uh, look, I mean, for, for a lot of people who have doubts about him, I think today is going to be an eye-opener because, uh, you know, I think he was – you know, for 60 minutes before he started getting hacked down uh, in the second half and got got a little woozy, uh, he was the best player on the field, and it's it was really impressive. Yeah, he showed a level of composure that's required of great players. That regardless of the moment or what's happening, I mean, look, he was fouled six times. I mean, he got fouled 11 times in the match versus Porto. Like he is absolutely a target for the opposition because they know how disruptive he can be. In a match for us, he had 89% pass accuracy, 54 total touches, seven attempted take-ons, five of them successful, three chances created, uh, two successful tackles out of two attempted, one big chance created, one shot, one goal. Like, that is 
a wonderful stat line for anybody. But you know what? We're it, this is the Homer moment, right? We're super excited because you know our boy who just scored um, as the first American to score in the Champions League semifinals, also the youngest player to score for Chelsea uh, in a semifinal match. Well, and, and let me say this: like, it is cool. Like, it is really cool. Like. Growing up watching this team, I never in a million years thought there would be an American playing for Chelsea, let alone an American doing what he did in the, in the Champions League semifinal. I mean, the Champions League semifinal was when Frank Lampard made his his name, you know, and like put away penalties against Liverpool, and and when Michael Essien blasted goals and you know against Barcelona. Like these are the legends of our club, and for for Christian to uh, have you know have performed the way that he did today. It is big for U.S. soccer. I, I know it's a homer thing to say, but I, you know it's a really cool thing, and it does like because there are not many U.S. players uh, quite yet playing at the Champions League semifinal level. You know, Weston McKinney will likely be there one day, but uh, it's a it's a big moment, and I'm I'm really proud of him just as a as a fellow countryman. Absolutely, and it's uh it's nice to see the respect that uh, Tuchel has for his importance because he really made sure that one of the first subs that came off was getting Christian a little rest because almost every single match that we have in this run-up through the remainder of May is going to be quite challenging and it's going to feel like a cup final every single one of them with the importance of the points with the actual FA Cup final with the next match against Real Madrid and uh, protecting those hammies is of the utmost importance mm-hmm. um but Nick N'Golo Kante also deserves our love and adoration as well. And so we should uh, sprinkle a little love there too. Yeah, I would say not the best first 15 minutes of his career. You know, a few weird passes and, and such. But, I mean, he's a joke. <laughs> I mean, like, he's an actual joke. <laughs> like, he he went – there was one sequence. I don't, I don't know if you remember this, PZ, but there was one sequence where it was like Cruz had the ball – and he pressured Cruz to, to spray the ball out to uh, Modric. Modric has the ball. He's right there, like right next to him. And then Modric was like, all right, so I'm going to pass the ball out to the wing. And he's there again. And you're like, what? Yeah. what is happening? Like, where are you? And for him to be able to, uh, to I think, put in a, a just a classic N'Golo performance, not doing too much, certainly missed a couple of balls in the final third that he wants back, but... Uh, the fact that he was able to get so far upfield and to carry the ball and to help us break press. I mean, he was absolutely electric today. I like I like that uh, N'Golo is saving his best for uh, European nights. I think that bodes well for our uh, overall campaign of positivity and winning. Yeah, we got to get Kovacic back for these for these damn Premier League games now. I mean, good yeah. Lord. Come on. And fingers, fingers crossed for Fulham. Um, but um, N'Golo Conte. 80% pass accuracy, 79 total touches, 8 take-ons, attempted, 6 successful. We had 2 attempted tackles, 2 fouls committed, 1 interception, 1 tackle, 1, 1 foul, 1. The biggest disruptor of the game. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I know he overhit a couple, but it was also super wet. Uh, I also think, remember, it was a wet-ass performance. It was and, a wet-ass uh, performance. I mean, we all we know just, that. The, there were a lot of overhit balls. Uh, just that that pitch looked very slippery for, for extended periods of time. It's a yeah. wet ball performance too. I, can, <laughs> can I also say this? There, there is a lot of lazy commentary out there comparing Casemiro and N'Golo Conte as if they are remotely similar players doing remotely similar things. They are not. They are not. Casemiro is a is a classic 
holding midfielder. N'Golo Conte is a destroyer. Those are two different roles on the field. And that was incredibly apparent today, if you watch the game. Uh, just it, commentators, come on. Figure it out. That's why you should listen to Chelsea TV commentary with Pat Nevin. 100%. Hey, that, it, wonderful advertisement. They didn't even pay DPZ for that, but he made sure to drop I'm, in the I'm official. here for Pat Nevin, Pat Nevin fan club. Sign up. Uh, everyone should be a member of that one. But yeah, another person we are a fan uh, would form a fan club for is Mason Mount, who had a massive milestone for Chelsea in this match. A hundred appearances for the club in two seasons, which is just absolutely wild. wild. And yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it's been, I think, a really impressive ride for him in the first hundred. It will certainly not be the last hundred match milestone we'll be celebrating. We'll be celebrating probably multiples of those. Knocking on wood for no Knocking catastrophic injuries. Thank you. Absolutely. Very much. Uh, he, you know, he might have seven or eight parents, uh, fathers over that time frame. Um, but you know what? I don't know. Look, it's, it's, it's Chelsea. You know, we have, we have different managers. Did you tell Tony Mountain about this? (laughs) Because every manager is his father? Oh. I didn't get it either. Fair enough. Oh, Uh, I get it. All right. Good joke, Dan. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Solid. Uh, Brandon would have gotten it. God damn it, Brandon. Why weren't you here? Uh, What if instead of laughing at jokes, you were just like, good joke? Okay, we're not going to do that. Mason stats, though, 96% pass accuracy, uh, 97.4% passing accuracy in the opponent's half. Five duels, one, two interceptions, two tackles, one-on-one dribbles uh, completed, and a complete amount of sauce, too, in one of his moves in the box um, that I know Nick loved. Oh, the double turn? Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. That, yeah, that was sauce. Um, yeah, man, like, first of all, super proud of, of him. Like, what an incredible achievement for 100 appearances in, in less than two seasons. And, and I think maybe the most impressive part of this is that he has been the Iron Man of this entire two-year stretch. I mean, he's been the guy that's been relied upon to play in a thousand different positions and in different types of roles and, uh, you know, through injury for sure. I mean, I, I think it was the second match against Leicester where he got his ankle completely rolled and stamped on and he was, you know, thought to be out for a couple of weeks and back the next week just kept playing. Uh, I mean, PZ, I can't say enough about Mason Mount. He is, he's really, really impressed me this year and I think has taken his game uh, to a different level, to where he's doing it in the Champions League now, so, yeah. you know, kind of Porto and now Real Madrid. It's it's always it's kind of always tough with Mason because uh, every time you think you're, uh, you're or you're praising him, you know, people can always come back to like, oh, well, only you're only doing it because you know he's uh, Chelsea born and bred, basically. But I think we have to, we truly have to recognize and realize what we have in in Mason Mount. At age 22, already 100 appearances for Chelsea. Already our key player. He was already our key player last year, but it was written off as always, oh, you know, that's just because Lampard, you know, his son, one of his many fathers, to as Dan Dormer's joke. Um, <laughs> but now, you know, he's he's doing it, he's doing it under Tuchel as well, and probably even to a higher level than before. And he's he's doing it on the ball, off the ball. His turns are just. Magnificent. I mean, I've said this before, maybe not on the podcast, but certainly on our blog or on Twitter, because why would you read Twitter? But like his his turns really should be just textbook. Like if you go to a football class 
And today is lesson on turns. Here's Mason Mount, age 22, just a litany of turns, single turns, double turns, turns at half, uh, halfway, turns in the box. It's it's amazing. And you might say those are fundamentals, but you gotta you gotta execute to the highest level that you can. And and he is he's doing it. And this is he's one of our own, and he's he's playing at the highest level already. Well, it's it, it matters too. You're talking about fundamentals, like he's not our fastest player. You know, right. he's he's not our most technically gifted player, but he is starting to put it all together in a way where he has become our most important player. And when it's winning time, which it is right now in this part of the season, you need a guy like that who is going to show up and consistently give you a seven and a half or an eight out of 10 uh, every game uh, because it raises everyone else's level. And he's, and he has been selfless and created opportunities for other players through his play, which has been really impressive. It's always yeah. winning time at Chelsea. <laughs> Come on now. Not, not earlier this season. <laughs> well, it is always the time to win. Whether or not we are actually winning is the real situation. But to the point on, on Mason to kind of bring it home, it's you can't really imagine a starting 11 for Chelsea that doesn't have his name on the team sheet unless he is getting some much needed rest because he is definitely the iron man as we've we've mentioned so far but this this is kind of where a little bit of a listener question comes in which is perfect because i was like oh we're gonna talk about Con- uh, conte we're gonna talk about mount we're gonna talk about Pulisic, and then classic a6 dropping in the hey look conte mount Pulisic are guaranteed eight out of ten ish performances every game they play aside for them who's been the most pivotal in like these recent games and maybe in this match like if you were going down the list who else should we be thinking about and saying you know what they were a massive contributor in our result tonight i i mean i'm gonna say pull a stick because i can't really think of anybody else well you're ruining the game you said outside of conte mountain pull uh who i i thought Jorginho played really well today (laughs) uh you know which is you know not my typical stance but uh, you know i i really yeah, I think as far as controlling the game and like playing a bit of a deeper role and not, you know, not giving the ball up, being able to pass out of tight space when when Madrid did press, uh, I thought he did well. And, you know, mixed him mixed with, you know, a performance from any one of our back line, you know, with, you know, I'd say Rudiger was probably the most impressive to me out of the back line, but you can make a case for any of them. Uh, I thought, you know, that that kind of combo got us out of trouble a lot. DPC, do you have a different opinion now? <laughs> now she yes. the rules are different me, than what let you me, Let me go with Conte and Mount. No. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Jorginho, actually, he's been low-key good in the last uh, couple months. And I know it's it's uh, even, even more so than with Mount. It's really tough to give credit to Jorginho in a general sense because people, uh, you know, he divides opinion, let's put it that way. Um um, I'm not sure who's our most pivotal player. In in terms of this game, it's really tough to go beyond those three players because those three players literally define the game for us. And uh, Jorginho is a close second. Um, yeah, I'd say when in doubt, I'd go with somebody like Thiago Silva, who uh, tends to, um, even if he himself isn't necessarily doing something that shows up on the stat sheet or uh, makes a highlight reel, he makes everybody around him that much better. And we're just kind of seeing the effect of that um, 
from getting game to game when he plays. And I think it's it's telling that uh, now that he's healthy, um, he's slotted back into the center and pushed Christensen wide. And that's this seems to be our, our best uh, best trio. I know Rudiger had a couple iffy moments today, but that's uh, that's kind of a an outlier for him recently. Uh, and I, I I like to credit also that to somebody like Silva, who you know with his experience and his leadership, he just brings that sense of calm. And I know somebody, uh, not that my experience in any way compares to any of these players, but I always played defense in my life when I played soccer, football. And uh, having uh, and I played defense and having somebody uh, with the sort of leadership and organizational quality like Silva really makes you personally a much better player. Uh, and so and I see that a lot happening at Chelsea. So I'd like to give it to Thiago Silva. I think Thiago, I mean, it's hard not to give it to any of the, the back three because of, you know, you could really just pick a name out of a hat and probably have a good case to make um, for the contributions one shot on they goal. make. They had one shot yeah. on goal. Yeah. Uh, I would say Rudiger's <laughs> um, giving it back after receiving it uh, was, was a quite funny exchange. I also, I... I, I know they I actually think they get criticized maybe a little too much, but his runs forward with the ball to help relieve some of the stress in situations. I mean, look, he, he's not doing it all the time, right? He's not making a 30, 40 yard run just for fun. I think he typically is realizing we are still stuck back here. We are not getting the ball out far enough. Um, obviously, he had a great, <laughs> great ball. No look to Pulisic for uh, the, you know, the goal that did come from this match, but I think in general, he's he's had some really great awareness that I don't think we've always seen. And again, I think there is a benefit to anyone playing at a back three because you do have a little bit more protection up front from, you know, Chilwell and, and Aspie or Chilwell and uh, Reese James. But I, I think they've all been extremely solid. And it's interesting that we've now seen Christensen on the right-hand side lock that, almost lock Aspie out of a starting spot if he can't be in the wingback position. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I was thinking about the back line earlier today, right? And like, you know, in you know, we have a lot of big games coming up. You know, wh- whether we whether we make the final of this competition or not, we still have to play an FA Cup final, and we still have a, a handful of big Premier League games to play. And you know, Christensen has really come on in the second half of the season. It has to be said, him and Rudiger have both. Uh, proven themselves beyond a reasonable doubt and so you know I think I think Tuchel's looking at the whole scenario and going like I got a bunch of defenders who are playing really well right now like you know I mean hell even Alonso's been playing okay when he's come in I mean it's been it's been kind of it's been kind of crazy so I think I think it will be harsh on someone who doesn't make you know the FA Cup final team or, or potentially a uh, you know, if we do advance, and I'm knocking on wood here, a Champions League final team, it will be harsh on someone. If that person is Aspi, I have no doubt he's going to handle it well, but he'll be really disappointed um, because he has been. I think he's been a very good captain for Chelsea Football Club. A lot of people disagree with me. I I love him as a player. I'm wearing a shirt right now. He is one of my favorite players to ever come through Chelsea, and it will be it will be harsh on him, but he'll handle it well. He knows he knows the deal. All right, so we are going to start to round this one down. We did have Dan in the match, and as Michelle put it, she said, I wish I could vote for Conte twice. Uh, you know what? 
I actually made that happen because there were two Contes in the poll because he literally was there were two of them on the pitch, so you just had had to be done. Along First Christian Conte outperformed the second Conte way quite a margin. Yeah, uh, Conte won with sixty-seven uh, percent of the vote. Conte yeah. two with six percent of the vote. Christian Pulisic Conte with two, you gotta step it up. <laughs> Uh, Conte too is the shadow of Angolo Conte, so you know he's only can do so much as he's materializing himself into a physical form. Uh, and Mason Mount with four percent. Modric is still looking over his shoulder for Conte too, though. To be fair, <laughs> just kind of panning around, <laughs> waiting for him waking to up pop in the up. middle of the night. <gasps> What's this? <laughs> uh, well, uh, Angolo Conte is a day of the match and haunts Modric's dreams. Uh, the Updated 538 probabilities as it stands in the Champions League. Chelsea have now gone from being a uh, the third with the uh, highest probability to make the final out of four, so second from the bottom, um, to now being uh, 63% to make the final versus Real Madrid now dropping to 37% probability of making the final. And I guess the question I kind of want to start to round this out on is just how confident we feel heading into the next 90 minutes because we're only in halftime. David? I think I meant touched on it earlier, but I'm pretty confident. I think today's performance, as disappointing as it might be, um, in a positive sense, it showed that we certainly belong at this stage of the Champions League and we have the capacity, the skill, um, the games, um, game management, and uh, the determination to to make the final, I think we can bring it home. I'd say my confidence rating is 99.9% that we're going to make the final. Yes, get in! (laughs) My guy, out of nowhere, just unbelievable. Um, A ray of sunshine over here. I know, wow, man. Usually I'm the most negative person on the show. Usually when we have you on, I'm like seen as poly positive over here. But um, (laughs) wow, RKO out of nowhere from PZ. I I think your point, David, is the right one. The game management under Tuchel has been at a whole different level uh, than we saw in the previous, since Conte, really. I mean, it's... It is a whole different level. This team doesn't freak out when there's a little bit of pressure. They control themselves. Uh, sometimes they play too much out of the back, and it drives me insane. But um, uh, still, I think I think your point about that is is the reason I feel pretty confident. I mean, here's the thing: if if Real Madrid come out slow again, and and we're able to to get a goal in, I feel great. You know, and and. This is not the Real Madrid team of four years ago. You know, the, you know they don't have Ronaldo. They don't have that pure match winner. Benzema looked good today, and he was by far their best player. But that's not Ronaldo. You know, that's a whole different level of player. So um, I would rate it like a, a six out of ten, six and a half out of ten. You know, it's on a knife's edge. To be fair, like I don't think that's overly negative, and it's Real Madrid in the Champions League semifinal. Like I'm no ninety nine percent over here, but. <sighs> But I mean, I'm I'm more than half. I mean, playing at home, we should be able to do well. But I feel like we play better on the road for whatever reason. I like, I don't know. Uh, every game is almost on the road right now. There's no fans, so it's yeah, it's okay, weird. yeah, it's awkward. Um, look, I, I love the shout for ninety nine percent. The wine on us train has been moving. Swiftly. That car, that car is, is decoupled it, from the rest of the train. That car is a runaway thing. 
we we had we had to jettison the other the other cars because they were filled with negativity. We had to keep on going. I'm Only so at much coal. <laughs> Only so much coal to get that one going. It's not a clean energy train. Um, but we. It looked good. We look sharp, and we don't even need to, we don't even need to score another goal. Like if your concern is that this Chelsea team is not filled with a ton of goals, look at the fact that we don't actually concede a ton. Just the narrative is lock it up and just get to the final, and you only need to score one goal in the next hundred eighty minutes, or uh, then the ninety plus the other ninety to win the Champions League. Dan, let, let could we one take goal. this one one, one more goal? Can we one, take this one game at a time, please. One game at a time, please, Dan. Um, step by step. Can I, can I just say this uh, too for this team? The you know Real Madrid's been here before. You know, like they've been here a lot, and so Chelsea between now and Fulham and and Wednesday of next week, hopefully they get a sports psychologist in. They get people ready to roll because I mean it's going to be a men- I, th- that game will be won and lost on mentality. I'm confident in our mentality. But it's this is not a comfortable situation uh, for this team who, who has not experienced it with this group of players, you know, minus Aspie who was there for the last one. So I think that's that's kind of the last thing I'd say, and, and it will also be in, incredibly important for Tuchel to rotate this weekend because there are just there have been so many important games back to back to back to back that I think he has to he has to look at Fulham and go there. They are tough, but they're beatable. I got to bring in a handful of, of players to mix some stuff up here. And you know what? He has a ton of strikers he could bring in just a ton. Some of them can even score goals. And, and I think that is a real key for this weekend, Dan, I, I would maybe hear me out. Play Tammy Abraham. I think Tammy is an interesting one for the weekend. You also maybe look at Kurt Zuma, maybe get some minutes mm-hmm. um, to spell either Rudiger or, or Silva. I mean, we saw him play centrally and it was actually quite fine. Maybe Silva gets a little rest. You know, obviously he's no uh, spring chicken, as they tend to say anymore. And so nor am I, Dan. Deserve a little, <laughs> nor, or nor any of us on this, this podcast. Um, look, so you know, I think that the rotation is going to be important, but... I think you're right to the mentality standpoint is, you know, the DNA, the DNA right now, that Real Madrid team is, is winners, right? And they might not be at the, they might not be as young as they used to be. They might not be as quick or as swift in, in all areas on the pitch, but they have been, been to the mountaintop uh, more recently than we have. And so there's going to be a little bit more of that muscle memory, but I'm down with this Chelsea side of making it really difficult to score and, making it count in the one or two shots you get. And I, I love it. I love this identity for us. Like I, I, I do too. I, I love it. I love how hard it is to play against Chelsea. Like it back in November, it was so easy to break us down. Like, I mean, think about that Lester match with ease cut through us, hot knife through butter. That's not the case, man. A lot, a lot of really sharp, Teams are getting blunted by this weird style that we're playing. And I love the fact that there is so much personal accountability happening um, in this team. Like there, there are a lot of people who are stepping up and owning it. You know, uh, it's, it's a huge identity for us. And it's how we've been the most successful over the past 25 years. PZ is a strong uh, defense, a strong spine. And, you know, maybe we eke out enough goals or Eden Hazard does a wonder thing and, and we, we score and win. But 
That's how Chelsea have been winners before. It's not been by playing the most attractive football in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think my generation or our generation of fans uh, kind of grew up with the whole Mourinho style, and mm-hmm. um, this 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 is the epitome of the style. There was uh, somebody said us that before or during the game that uh, in 17 of Tuchel's 22 games, we've taken the lead. We were the first team to score. And I think the other ones we didn't score at all. So basically it's the game plan is score and then win. And as simple and as boring as that may be, like this is, you know, we used to be called boring, boring Chelsea. And this is, this is it. This is how we won. This is how we set the old guard, all that entire, uh, you know, 15, 10, 15 year run. This is how it began. And, you know, maybe Tuchel isn't around for three years like Mourinho was at the beginning, but he certainly is is setting is setting a lot of the, the similar um, stones in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I personally love to see it. Uh, others might not be as uh, enthused by it. Some people like the more you know five to four score lines, but I I love a one nil win. And um, you know, if if you don't concede, you're not going to lose. And that's good enough to me. I mean, here's here's the reality of the situation. A trophy you win on the back of one mils and a trophy you win with high-flying football is still the same trophy. And that's what it's all about. So uh, as our friend Joe Tweets has been saying, chaos and trophies, we love it. It is the story of Chelsea. Uh, But DPZ, it was great to get you back on again, man. It was uh, a lot of fun to talk through uh, a, a draw that actually ultimately felt a little bit like a win Maybe not initially, but after we talked about it together. Because it's the French. 99.9%. Remember, boys. 99. That's a, that's a wet ass prediction. Is for what that for is. your money back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're not giving out any guarantees. Uh, but uh, too, much, we will, too much information. <laughs> we are going to be back on the weekend or after the weekend, after we play Fulham. Joe Tweeds will be with us. Nick will be with us. Brandon Busby is still going to be out on his sojourn somewhere, but we'll be here to hopefully He's celebrate. He's on a vision quest. Win. He's on a vision <laughs> quest, I think. So, Does it include so. a Champions League trophy? Uh, hopefully. But yeah. that is it. That's going to do it for us. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>